what if you got so good at your job that it became inevitable to sell it to someone else? Today's interview is going to be all sorts of fun. I'm talking to Andy Cabasso, a web developer who created an agency that got so good at what they did, they eventually sold, and now he's moved on to creating a software as a service product. Andy and I have a great conversation about productized services and choosing a specific niche and how that just makes it so much easier to sell creative services. So you don't want to miss this one, and I can't wait for you to check it out. Welcome to the Well-Paid Creative Podcast, where we discover how to run a profitable and satisfying creative business. I'm your host, Gabrielle Chipier, and I'm going to share with you what I've learned in my 17 years as a creative pro, building my own business from barely scraping by to thriving. From attracting quality clients to charging what you're worth and creating amazing work you love without the risk of burnout and overwhelm. But I don't know it all, so in this podcast, we're going to learn a lot together as I interview experts and reflect on my own experiences, both the good and the bad. Before we dive into this show, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, hop on over to wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. All right, let's dive in. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, my name is Gabrielle Chipier. I'm the host of the Well-Paid Creative Podcast. And joining me today is Andy Cabasso. I'm super excited to have him on the show today. He's got a lot of amazing knowledge around running a creative business and scaling it up. And I really can't wait for you to hear what he's got to say. So thank you so much, Andy. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Thanks, Gabrielle. I'm doing all right. I'm trying to reduce my caffeine intake, and it's been a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) I just figure, why bother? (laughs) I had some uh, great Kona coffee over the holidays, and it was amazing, and I drank all of it way too quickly, and now I need to uh, go back to more respectable levels of caffeine. (laughs) Totally understandable. You don't want to be bouncing out of your seat, hey? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay, so I'd love to learn more about you. And I'm sure everybody in the audience would love to hear your story, kind of the arc of your career and how you got here to be today. Sure. So really, my story kind of starts actually in law school, um, of all places. I was looking for jobs in legal, even though I kind of was at this point realizing, you know, I don't really want to be a lawyer. What am I doing? But when I was like looking for jobs and applying, I realized that most of the law firms that I was applying to had very bad websites, and I could do something about that. I had a little bit of a background in in design, and a friend of mine, um, a former college roommate of mine actually, also was uh, doing freelance design work. And we realized that, you know, working together with me and my marketing knowledge and my knowledge of this particular industry and his particular skills at design, we could work together and build a web design business specifically focusing on this legal market. And for us, really finding that niche and building this design business in that niche was really key to building a successful web design agency. Wow, interesting. I love that. So we were kind of talking about the arc of your agency and all of the successes Mm -hmm. you've had along the years with it. And I'm just wondering, what would you say would be the key part of that success? I think, well, 
absolutely key to our success was building a productized service where we could do great work consistently for our clients, but have a standardized process that we could implement on every single project. This saved us time from having to, you know, reinvent the wheel on every single project. It also helped us to be able to, you know, use assets that we've built over and over again, helped us to keep client projects on track, and it allowed us to scale going from the two of us to be able to bring on more team members, more uh, full-time as well as contractors, and then eventually sell that agency successfully in really just three years of uh, starting it. Oh, wow. So it was just three years from start to when you sold it. Yes. Crazy. That's wonderful. So what would you say was like the biggest part of productizing Mm -hmm. your services? Was it actually figuring it out in the beginning or was it delivering those or was it something else with that? So it had been, and it's been like a learning process over time. I, I think from the beginning, we knew that we wanted to do a productized service where we would have very fixed scope work. And we had a pricing page, for example, that said, you'll get 10 pages with up to five practice area pages for your different types of your cases that you take, along with a certain amount of biography pages for your team members and so on, kind of laying out everything that you'd get for this package. And we'd have different packages and our clients could self-select and choose which packages they want. And it was very transparent and upfront that our customers could select what they wanted and that we would be able to deliver on that specifically. And also that helped us prevent scope creep, which uh, we definitely had challenges with in the past. And my partner especially did where he was working on projects and clients would always ask for one more thing and one more thing and Mm -hmm. one more thing. And you end up doing a lot of work outside of the scope of what you had quoted and you're basically doing free work. But by having a very fixed package with certain specific deliverables, everyone's on the same page from the beginning to know what they're going to get. And even if you can have add-ons, absolutely you can have add-ons. You can say you're going to get you can get more pages or will migrate more web pages from your old website, but here is what is going to cost and this is what's going to be included and anything outside of that here is our list of our price list of what these additional elements are. So that's kind of what our thinking was from the very beginning. We wanted to make sure that we had a process, like we had, we knew exactly what all the deliverables would be, what our packages would be, and allowing our clients to kind of choose their own adventure, let's say. Oh, I like that. And since you focused on lawyers, would you say that it was a really big benefit to have such a very defined niche when you created your productized services? Yes, for many different reasons. The first one that I really felt that was key about this was our marketing. Focusing on a niche and saying we're only working with lawyers. I know plenty of creatives who might be hesitant about that, about choosing a specific niche, because you're thinking, all right, well, I'm going to lose out on potential clients in another space. And yes, that did happen. On a few occasions, we had companies come to us and say, hey, you did a website for a friend of ours. We're not lawyers, but can you help us? And we uh, referred them to someone else Mm -hmm. because it just wasn't in our niche. But 
having this niche allowed us to market our brand specifically to lawyers. And so with me working on our content marketing and our blog, I was able to get lawyers to find our website and generate us this consistent flow of inbound leads and new potential customers finding us. And it's a lot easier to do having a niche as opposed to being a generalist where you are competing with other agencies and other designers that that have their own niches. Because if I'm focusing on lawyers, I have this expertise on working with law firms. Any creative who's a generalist may have a law firm in their profile, in their portfolio. But I have a portfolio, let's say, filled with law firms in different types of practices in different locations. And that helps me stand out and helps my ideal client find me. But aside from that, aside from the marketing aspect of it, which was definitely critical to our success, was for the work in that having so many clients in the same space helped us understand all of the types of clients that would come our way in the legal space, whether it was a small firm that was just getting their first website or a larger firm that wanted a a refresh on their web presence to firms that were looking to do online advertising and aggressive marketing. And we, over time, as we saw more and more of the same types of clients, we could reuse different assets over and over again so we didn't need to start from scratch with every project. And we, over time, you know, built up this institutional knowledge, let's say, of our clients, of the types of issues they're going to have, of the things that they're going to want, so we could build up this database and be ready for any type of project that they would throw at us. And so being prepared and being able to leverage that knowledge over time really helped us scale and I think be in a much better position than if we were to be more generally generalist focused. I love that. Yeah. And you know, it is so much easier when you're creating marketing and when you're defining your business's processes and your packages and your services, being able to think of one person, right? Mm -hmm, Rather than what is everybody going to like? Because that's so much harder and so much more subjective, right? Absolutely. And like if we were thinking about expanding into another market, different types of clients in different industries have different requirements. Some might want you to have an in a, be able to integrate with their preferred CRM or something mm-hmm. like that. Or if you're working with like real estate clients, they have to you, your website has to integrate with their MLS listing service or something like that. And if you don't have it, it's something that you have to build and you know, the first time you integrate with a plugin or you you build something that's time that you are taking to learn that and figure it out and test it and debug it and all of that. But the second time you do it, you've already can lean on that knowledge that you've gained the first time. So if we are focusing specifically on one type of client, we can use the knowledge that we've gained from the past that doesn't cost us anything on any future project. Cool. Yeah, I love that. And it just makes so much more sense, right? It just streamlines the process. It makes it so much easier, makes it so a lot less resistance to everything. So we talk a lot about package pricing. How do you price your work? Because it's kind of a hot topic. There is so many different ways of doing it. And everybody, of course, says their way is the perfect way. But I find it somewhere, (laughs) somewhere in the middle, you know, something works good for one person and better for another person. So how did you guys price your packages in your agency? Yeah. So 
we basically created tiers, a good, better, and best tier, where really the, I think the main differentiator was number of pages. And so like we would have a package that was really geared towards a small law firm and we would give them up to 15 pages with a certain amount of biography pages for their team members and a certain amount of pages for practice areas and things like that. And everyone would have a styled blog page. We also had like a better tier that had things like a directory for larger businesses that had many different team members and you'd really want the functionality of something like a directory where you can search for up to a hundred different team members and things like that. So, but really the core differentiator I think was like number of pages and that for the most part correlated with the size of the business. And so that kind of worked out, but we also did differentiate with like certain like plugins and certain things that we'd include, like, like the directory aspect I mentioned that was really only required by the larger firms that we were working with. Interesting. Okay. And I know we talked a little bit before this about mm-hmm. how your agency started getting recurring revenue because mm-hmm. it's easy to get caught up in always trying to get the next client and the next client and the next client. And then there's always those lulls, especially for longer projects like a, a web for design sure. or you know something that's larger like that. How did you kind of even out that feast and famine cycle, that up and down? So from the very beginning, we made sure that we had recurring plans and Our model was that every client of ours would be on some recurring plan. One of our early experiments was a kind of a self-service approach where we built this uh, platform that our customers could kind of build their own websites uh, Mm. using uh, templates and things like that. But it turns out they didn't want that. (laughs) What our clients really wanted, since they were all busy practicing lawyers, they wanted someone to build the site for them but also update it for them. And so we built a recurring pricing model where in addition to a one-time fixed fee that you'd pay for your website, there would be a recurring fee for providing ongoing support for the website. Everything from hosting to also ongoing support for updating pages with a specific like amount of page updates that you would get each month, plus kind of the standard sort of things, maintenance, security, updating plugins, as well as one other thing that we had, which was like call tracking, which was a big thing that a lot of our clients were excited about. So they could see our website got this many calls from potential customers this month. And so that really also helped us to provide value for the client on an ongoing basis where we could point to that and say, look at this, look how many more calls you're getting from your website this month over the past month your site's doing better. It's all thanks to us. You're welcome. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And that's Um, great being able to show them the value they're getting out of that recurring payment every month. And the thing was having that that recurring aspect, there were people who came to us and said, you know what, I just want a website. I want to park it on my own hosting and never touch it again for five years or whenever I'm going to build a new website. And we would just say, you know, then I don't think you're the right fit for us, but we're looking to work with customers and law firms that don't want to have to deal with the website and basically are happy to have us take care of it for them because you have an expensive billable hour and less than one hour a month is what what our uh, ongoing support would cost. Mm. You know, I really like that point you made where you have to be willing to turn away 
the people who don't fit in the mm. way you work and the way your business model is laid out. Yeah. And that was definitely like a thing with both having our niche, but also our model. And we had to be really confident that this model would work for us and it did, but like not everyone is a good fit client. And like you have a, a someone who says, I want to pay you, but I don't want to pay this recurring. It can be tempting to be like, oh, wow, they, this person wants to give me a check and is ready to pay me. But by us sticking with our, our kind of our principles of how we wanted to operate, that much better enabled our growth for the future and put all of the right pieces in place. So us having that recurring revenue for all of our clients helped ensure that we could scale and grow so that with every single additional client that hired us, that'd be more monthly recurring revenue for us. And that would enable us to, if we had a bad month, for example, still ride it out and also be able to take a vacation. If mm -hmm. if I'm the only person doing sales on my team and I want to take a week or two off and take a road trip around the country, I can't really do that comfortably if I'm worried that we're not going to make any any sales this month. Oh, of course. And that's a big thing, especially with creatives. I mean, when the work that you do is what you're selling, then when you're not doing the work, you can't sell it. So Right, exactly. Having that reoccurring and it's almost like a, a bit of a safety net, really, because you Absolutely. are able to depend on that amount of money every month. And you're also able to be a little bit flexible within how you do the work within those kind of packages and that kind of container. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I think this also kind of leads into another good discussion, which is like how to get paid and setting your payment terms to make sure mm. that your clients do pay you because that's a... Because nobody wants to be chasing down invoices, you know, three right. times a and month, right? <laughs> this was something that we didn't, we didn't get right on day one and it took us time to figure out the right way to do it. And we eventually we did, thankfully. Like, for example, like our our first iteration of our plan was you'll pay 50% upfront and then 50% when your website is launched. Yeah, pretty and, standard terms, yeah. And that sound like that sounded great, but I, I don't know what, what you found, but we've found that consistently the biggest bottleneck would be getting assets that we needed from clients. Mm -hmm. And so we had some clients that owed us a headshot or something like that and refused to have the website go live without them providing their headshot or some images for the website or copy of text that they needed to provide. And we just like that was the roadblock, really. And we had some clients who took over a year, over two years to get us a headshot. And it was like, like, what are you waiting to, to lose 60 like, pounds in order to give me the headshot? <laughs> right. And so we started then instilling this process where we would say, or from the outset, we'd say, all right, we're going to charge you this percentage today to get started. And then other half or so in three months or whenever the website is launched, whichever comes first. Mm -hmm. uh, we know our own processes and we know that our websites can be launched within one to two months if you get us everything that we need for the website. And hopefully this encourages you to get going and get moving forward. Because at the outset also, 
every client thinks, all right, I want to get this done. I like, because they're like, I'm hiring you to build my website. Let's get this done now. I wanted this done yesterday, but now I'm ready to make the move. And so having that in our payment terms also helped move our clients along and helped us get their websites launched sooner and us not have a backlog of dozens of websites where we're just waiting on assets. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the benefit of doing one thing and doing it really well is that you get to really know the process. And then you also get to know the hangups and kind of the, the detriments that kind of come with it, the challenges. So being able to creatively solve those challenges, I think is part of offering right. a really good productized service. Absolutely. And whatever your product is, whether it's web design or anything else, yeah, the more you do it, the more you, you recognize the, the roadblocks and the, and the hangups, like you're saying and you can build around them. So like one thing that we added later on was we realized that many of our clients owed us content and they just weren't feeling encouraged or motivated to write their own biographies or or content for their practice area pages. And so we would hire people or have team members of ours do that for them. And so write practice area content, write their bio pages and get them to sign off on that. And that would end up being a lot quicker than the alternative of waiting on the client who is billing at hundreds of dollars an hour and doesn't have the time right now to focus on this. Mm -hmm. Love that. So you sold your web design business after Mm -hmm. three years, you said. Yes. And you went into software as a service. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that transition. What made you decide to leave the web design industry and what led you to create that? that SaaS product. So with our web design business, we also were offering ongoing marketing packages as well, uh, paid search as well as SEO. And one challenge that we saw in particular that we saw was with doing link building for, for SEO, but also for potentially finding like getting digital PR or promotion or getting press coverage and things like that. And the process that we saw was very manual and labor intensive. So Mm -hmm. for example, like we saw that like for SEO in particular, building links is the best way to get your website and your blog posts to rank faster in Google. Uh, Google cares very much about the links that you're getting to your site from other websites, but the links have to be real from other real websites. So the process was typically do some research to find relevant websites, then use another piece of software to find contact information for people at those websites, then use another piece of software to validate the email addresses to make sure they're real, and then use some sort of CRM software to send outreach emails that are personalized oh to everybody gosh, that's quite the process. and follow up. <laughs> and it was, it was just like a nightmare and so labor intensive. And that, that it didn't seem that many people were doing it because they were just giving up with a process. And we had frustration doing that on our own as well. So my co-founder from my web design business and I started working together again on this new business called uh, Postaga. And basically how it works is it streamlines and automates much of the tedious processes of doing link building and outreach. So let's say that you have a blog post that you want to get to outrank every other blog post on this topic. Mm -hmm. We can find other relevant websites that would be good candidates to link to your blog post find their email addresses, and then send them in a streamlined kind of 
email outreach campaign that's targeted for them and personalized for them to get them to uh, link to your content. And aside from that, another common use of the platform has been to do like PR for promoting products and getting your apps and products reviewed, getting featured on podcasts and things like that, uh, as well as building a partnership. So it's been a lot of different uses for it, but it all kind of has this same workflow of finding opportunities, getting email addresses, and then building the outreach emails. Wonderful. That's really interesting. And what made you, what made you move from that, from the web design agency to that? Did you just decide one day that you didn't want to be running the agency and so just going to sell it? Or was there like a gradual transition from one to the other? So with the agency, kind of over the, this three-year period, we had grown in this, in our niche of legal and, you know, because we were able so well to market to legal to law firms and everything like that, we got noticed by other larger brands in the space. And definitely having the focus on law firms helped us get this reputation. We built a reputation in the space. We built integrations with other apps so that our customers could integrate their websites with other apps they were already using. And those companies became aware of us and we formed kind of partnerships with other legal focused businesses that could refer clients to us and back and forth. And so over this yeah, relatively short period of time, we were able to build our brand in this space. And a few companies had approached us about acquiring us. And it really wasn't originally on our radar. It, it, we Thankfully, we had all the pieces in place. Like we had this productized service that if my partner and I were to drop dead one day, it could still potentially run without us. Mm-hmm. And so we had this system that could work easily with another company and this one company in particular that was looking to get into the space and we were already familiar with because we had some mutual clients made us a good offer for acquiring the agency and it it all made sense in that their focus was also on legal, our focus was on legal. And so by combining forces, we could work together and get more clients and grow faster. And so that was kind of the real the impetus for us selling. And then the kind of having this entrepreneurial bug, the idea was what's next. And this particular problem and challenge with doing outreach, I didn't see anything in the market that really, that I felt addressed this so well for other marketers and we wanted to build it. And that's kind of how we got to where we are today. Cool. Very cool. And Andy has graciously given us a nice little coupon code. So if anybody wants to go check out Postaga, you can get a deal on your first month with them. So if you check out the show notes, you can find that below. Okay, so here comes the last question of the interview. It's something I ask all of my guests. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty easy, though. So a lot of creatives have more than one passion. They do lots of different things. They have hobbies and side hustles, and you kind of embody that spirit What's one of your side hustles or one of your hobbies that you do just for fun, just for yourself? Um, playing guitar badly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh, I would like to get better. You know, one day, fingers crossed, I'll be better. But after decades of playing, I'm not sure that it's going to happen. But I enjoy it. It's a hobby of mine. And it's great for just making music is a great way to unwind at the end of the day when you have 
all these feelings you, you want to release. Mm, love it. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. It was such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. I'm really excited to see what you do with Postaga. I'm going to go check it out myself, and I definitely encourage everybody else to as well. You can find the links to Andy's groups and his social down below. So definitely go check him out. Give him a like, give him a follow. I'm sure he won't disappoint. Thank you again so much, Andy. It was so great having you here. Thanks, Gabrielle. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Well-Paid Creative. All the discussions we have around these episodes mean a lot to me, and I love how much I learn from the creatives who listen in. Before we head out, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, visit wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. Join me for the next episode as we continue discussing how you can grow and love a profitable creative business. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone you think would benefit. Thanks so much. See you soon.